Welcome to podcast number 114 of Quality Christian Living. I am your host, David Friend. For the last several weeks, we've talked about how to make good decisions. Some of the topics were entitled, How to Make the Right Decisions. Another one was how to find peace from poor decisions. Then we talked about how to have wisdom in our decisions and then how to gain secular and spiritual knowledge that has to do with making the right decisions. So with that, I really felt impressed of the Lord to bring you a message that might be very practical, very helpful to you. But I think if you've ever been challenged with financial decisions or ever wondered about the decisions you've made, whether they were right or wrong, or maybe you made a bad decision and it turned out terrible, or maybe you made a great decision and it turned out wonderful. So let's look at it and see what God's Word has to say. And maybe I can give you some guidelines today and some steps to take in order to make good decisions, right decisions. Now, we're not perfect, but we study the Word of God. And the Word of God is perfect. And we're led by the Holy Spirit, and He's perfect. And so with that in mind, God can help us to make great decisions, wonderful decisions that are led of the Lord and directed by the Holy Spirit. So before we get into it today, I'm going to pray, and we're going to believe that God's going to do something great in your life to help each and every one of us in this area. Father, thank you for the opportunity we have today to study your word, to get into your word, Father, and to understand exactly what you desire for us when it comes to making good decisions. Pray, Lord, that you would bless it and anoint it. And I ask the Holy Spirit now to move into this lesson, into this teaching, and reveal to me the areas that I should focus on and the areas that I should maybe even stay away from. I want your leading. I need your leading. And so I pray for it now. And I pray that you would bless those who are listening in today, that this podcast would help them to make great decisions. And Lord, I thank you for it now and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, before I get into this, I'd like to just maybe make a statement to you. And that is, we all know people who struggle with making financial decisions, decisions in general sometimes. But when it comes to the area of finances, we make mistakes that sometimes could be avoided. And I I believe in that. You know, my background, I was a banker for some 15 years, a real estate developer for another 15 to almost nearly 20 years, I guess, and then pastored a church for 20 years. So in all that time, I ran into a lot of people who made a lot of good decisions and who made a lot of poor decisions. So we're going to learn from God's Word today and see what it has to say about how to make great financial decisions. That's the title of this podcast, number 114. I want to use a book that I've written entitled Experience the Joy of Debt-Free Living. And in that particular book, I talk a little bit about the subject of financial decisions. So I'm going to use some of the notes I've made there, kind of use it as an outline, something to keep me on track to make this a worthwhile session for you today. You know, as a pastor for over 20 years now, I have seen so many people make decisions that they've regretted. And I've seen a lot of very successful people who've made decisions that have been wonderful, that they've prospered and been blessed by it. So let me give you some guidelines. There's going to be several steps we need to take in order to understand exactly how the Lord wants to give us direction and guidance. I'd like to make a statement before I get into the whole teaching, and that is the book of Proverbs in chapter 3 is probably, in my opinion, one of the greatest books to help us understand how to make good decisions in our finances. So that's just something you should read and study and evaluate it. You can read it in the New Living Translation or something that's maybe a little bit more modern type translation, and I think it'll be very helpful for you. So let me just make a statement. When facing a financial decision, what should you do? Well, let me give you the first word is stop. Basically, that's it. Before we make a decision, we need to stop and evaluate everything 
thing and look what we're going into. We need to, number one, first ask the Lord to help through prayer. We must pray to him. Listen to the Holy Spirit and wait for the answer. You see, patience is a key to making good decisions. You know, if we're pushed in decision making and forced into it, we've got to do it today and got to do it today, we're probably going to make a bad one. That's what it's like many times when we go shopping for a car. A salesman will look at us and say, well, before you decide and before you walk away or whatever decision you're going to make, let me go and get some other people that can speak into you. Basically, they're saying to help you make your decision faster. Many times they'll make a statement and say something like, what's it going to take to get you into that car today? Well, first of all, you should say to them prayer and patience and some due diligence, some study time to know exactly whether I'm making the right decision or not. We need to wait until we receive peace on the decision. In Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 through 7, it says this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You see, that's what we need is peace. Before we make a financial decision, we need to be a complete total peace about that decision. You see, peace means that you're trusting the Lord for the decision. Peace is not what you get when you try to manipulate your circumstances to get what you want. I was talking to somebody the other day and they wanted to buy a car. And they said, I need to make this decision. I need to buy a car. And I I said, well, why do you need to make the decision? Well, because now's a good time to do it. I said, well, do you need the car right now? Well, not necessarily. I could wait a while. Do you really have to have it now when car prices are so high? Well, I could probably wait a little bit. I said, then maybe your, your best friend in this whole thing is to have patience and wait on the Lord and seek his direction. And have peace in making that decision. Well, they called me back a couple days later and said, I've just got to do something. I've got to get that car. I know it's going to go away and I won't get to buy it. And the dealer said they don't have many of them coming in and I just got to have it. I got to have it now. And I said, could you slow down and get peace? You could tell the person wasn't the least bit interested in talking to me about it. Matter of fact, I was kind of surprised they called me back because I'd already told them before to seek God's direction, to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give them guidance and to be at peace about it. You see, peace is something we must have whether we get the answer we want or not. We've got to have peace in order to know we're going in the right direction. A lot of people say, well, how do you hear from the Lord? Well, I believe one way I hear from the Lord is through having peace in my spirit, knowing that I've got peace that's going to guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Another thing I need to do in this in this role to make good financial decisions, I'm going to call it number two, is read God's word and review the scriptures from the Lord. There's a whole bunch of them in there, starting with Proverbs chapter three, and there's a number, number of other ones. I'll give you a few of them today, but there are many scriptures that help us understand how to have peace and how to make the right decision. We need to concentrate on God's word and prayer and guidance from the Holy Spirit. You see, every reference to money that we need to make decisions on is is found in the Word of God. There's scriptures that tell us never guarantee a loan for someone else. Just avoid that. Don't put yourself in that position to guarantee someone else's loan. You know, my philosophy has been if someone needs something bad enough, like a family member or a dear friend, and they need a car and I can afford to help them, but maybe I don't have the cash to help them, but I, I wouldn't guarantee their loan. What I would do is, if you got to have a car that bad and I want to help that person, I just get the loan in my name. And that way I would know that if they give me the payments and I can make the payments, then things are good. But see, if you think about this, if you sign for someone else and that person doesn't make the payments, then it affects your credit score and the creditors are going to come after you. People don't realize that. And it can destroy a friendship. It can destroy a relationship. It can destroy a relationship between family members. So avoid guaranteeing 
alone because you can get yourself into difficulties. God's word tells us to do that and to be cautious about it. Let me give you number three when it comes to making good financial decisions. We need to take action after you pray, after you seek the word of God, and when you have peace, only then. That's the only time that you can take action and make the right financial decision. So let me give you kind of a subtitle of number three is a list of steps, but I believe that'll help you make spirit-led financial decisions. So let me give you several of them. I know I'm talking a little fast, but I got a lot I want to get into this particular podcast. So if the Holy Spirit wants me to slow down, this may could become a couple of sessions on financial decisions. So here's, here's a guideline to being able to make spirit-led financial decisions. Don't allow others to make decisions for you. Seek God and godly counsel. You must make the final decision on your own under the direction of the Holy Spirit, under the direction of what God's word has to say, and avoid others who are pushing you into something. Now, that doesn't apply to getting help or counsel from someone that you trust and you're confident in and you feel good about and you know they're Christians and they believe in the word of God. Nothing wrong with getting counsel, but once you get their counsel, you're going to have to make the final decision. You know, a lot of people run around saying things like, well, he made me do this, or she made me do that, or the bank told me I had to do this, or whatever it might be. We don't have to do certain things. We don't have to get ourselves in debt. We can find out a way to avoid debt and and get ourselves out of debt, as a matter of fact. So it's important that we don't allow others to make decisions for us. We can get good, godly counsel. But remember, when it gets down to the bottom line, you're responsible. You make the decision. And if it's a good one, and you had peace and patience, I believe it's going to work out just fine for you. And it it will become a great financial decision. Let me give you another thought. Avoid speculation when it comes to financial decision makings. Do not decide to spend money today that will require hope for income in the future. Let me give you a scripture on that. It's found in Proverbs 27 and verse 12. A prudent man foresees evil and hides, or it Another translation says, protects himself. The simple pass on and are punished. You see, it's important that if we're going to spend money based upon something we may get in the future, like, well, I'm going to get a better job. I'm going to make more money there. So before I get that job, before I start making the money, I'll just go ahead and get in debt for a more expensive car. Big mistake. Or I'll buy a more expensive home. Big mistake. Because we cannot plan on things that are going to happen in the future because none of us really know what the future is. Now, we obviously, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we know the future has in store for us heaven. It has in store for us blessings and that God will always be with us. And he knows that we know that he'll never leave us or forsake us, that if we draw close to him, he'll draw close to us. Those are things we do know. But when it comes to determining whether a job is going to pay a certain amount or whether that job is going to last for a long time or whether you can afford to buy a more expensive of home, all these very important financial decisions, we've got to trust in the Lord. We've got to put all of our confidence and our trust in Him and to avoid speculation on what might happen. I like to believe in what I have. When I buy a car, I base it off what my income is today, not what it may be tomorrow. When I've purchased homes, and just so you know, I've purchased 41 homes that my wife and my family and I have lived in. Those are apartments. Some of them were just rentals and others were rental homes. But out of that, about 35 of those houses were homes we physically lived in. Because of my banking background and because the amount of time and energy I put into that, we were required to move around the state of Arizona that we live in. Those moves caused me to buy a home here and another one there. And then we had a second home up in, in the up in the mountains to get away from this heat during the summer. We've made a lot of purchases of a lot of homes, but I've never made purchases on homes based upon what I hope to make someday. I base it upon what I know I have for sure. All right, let me give you another idea about 
making good decisions in your finances. Only invest money if it represents excess funds above your budget needs. Now, buying speculative investments with your daily budget money just about will guarantee you that you're going to have a financial disaster. Now, what I mean about that is some people will go out and say, well, I'm going to make investments in, in land or invest in stock or invest in a business or invest in the new thing that's out now, cryptocurrencies or whatever it might be, which is all, all investments are risky. There's no question about that. But those investments should not be made if it will impact or hurt what it costs you to live every month. Now, in prior teachings in my book that I've written entitled Experience the Joy of Debt-Free Living, I've taught about and giving instructions on how to prepare a right budget, a proper budget, a budget that meets all your needs and plans for the issues that'll come up in life. When you know how much it costs you to live every single month for an entire year, I mean, know exactly what it's going to cost and have a little money in there for contingencies and things that pop up, you'll be in a position to know what it takes to meet your expenses. And if you are not making enough money to cover those expenses, you got a problem. You either have to make more money or you need to reduce your spending. Usually reducing your spending is the best decision, but most people try to make more money to cover their spending. But if you're in a position where you have enough money coming in and you're paying for your day-to-day expenses and everything's being taken care of, and then you have excess funds, you have money left over. That's after you pay your tithe to your church. That's after you meet your medical needs and your housing and your utilities and all that stuff that adds up in the budget and you're in a position to meet your expenses, your cost to live, then you have money left over. That money could be used to invest in other things. All right. So that's an important point and one that a lot of people violate. And I've spent a lot of years as a banker, as someone who's helped people with biblical financial counseling and planning, as a pastor for years, I've helped a lot of people and discussed this with a lot of people who get themselves in trouble for making investments based upon future income or money that they really don't have. So they'll start to using their budgets and get themselves in debt or get themselves in a position where they can't keep up with their expenses. All right, let me give you another guideline on making spirit-led great financial decisions. Don't put your budget into financial bondage and expect the Lord to bail you out. Now, what I mean by that is a lot of people get in trouble financially. They didn't pray. Maybe they didn't get God's word. But the first thing they'll pray is, Lord, help me. I call that the Lord bail me out prayer. That simply means, Lord, I've made some bad decisions. And now I'm in a pickle. I'm in a difficult spot. I'm challenged financially. And so I need you to help me and bail me out. You see, that happens many times by buying a new car with larger payments that you can afford today or buying a house that's more than you can afford. Many times it has to do with buying improvements to your home where you're not in a position to be able to afford it. A lot of people buy a swimming pool and they they get it all taken care of or they either pay for it or they borrow money against it or put a lien against their house or get a long-term loan and they figure they can handle that, but they don't factor in that it's going to cost you $40 or $50 more a month just in electricity bills to have the motor on that pool run every month and chemicals are going to run you as much as $50 to $100 a month and then maybe repairs or breakdowns. And a lot of people don't understand the total cost of making a purchase like that. Sometimes they don't understand the cost of maintaining an automobile or maintaining a just simply a house with just general upkeep, those types of things. So we've got to understand 
understand what our costs are going to be in order to make good financial decisions. Because if we don't, quite frankly, if we just make decisions off the spur of the moment, like we drive by a car dealership and we see a cool looking car there and you and your wife get out of the car and go in and say, oh, this is so cool. And you go for a, a drive and you, you said, well, I didn't really need a car right now. Now I'm telling you, these things happen because I have counseled literally hundreds of people who make this decision. And next thing you know, they're driving off that car lot and they've got a different car. Maybe the payment's $100 or $200 more a month, and they, have, they don't understand what the insurance is going to be. Then they find out, oops, their insurance, car insurance is going to go up. And all of a sudden, they, they regret the decision that they made, and it's because they made a hasty decision. The Bible tells us that hasty speculation leads us to poverty. It also tells us, though, that steady plotting, our consistent plotting, our consistent decision-making leads us to success. Let me give you another point that I think is helpful in making great financial decisions. We need to consider the impact that our decision has on other people, on our spouse, our children, our church, our giving to our church. You see, sometimes buying a luxury car that would keep your child from going to a Christian school can be really a curse on your finances. Or buying a home that's too expensive that causes extra stress and tension on your marriage. That's not a blessing necessarily to buy a nicer home or a bigger home that you can't afford. Matter of fact, it's probably another curse that's going to cause a problem in your marriage. Let me move on. Over the years, my wife and I have kind of set up a standard of things that we can purchase where we don't need to sit down and talk about it necessarily. I mean, in the early days when I was working at the bank and I would want to go out to lunch and maybe I had, she had packed a lunch for me that I took with me, but then I decided, no, I kind of want to go out to lunch and it would cost, a, back in those days, a couple dollars. I didn't have to call my wife and say, well, I, you know, I need to know, is it okay to spend $2? No, that's not what I'm talking about. Or that the wife has to call the husband at work and say, you know, I, I need to purchase something for the house. I need to spend $3 on this or $8 on that or wherever it might be. You don't need to touch that. But what you need to do is plan in your budget to have a way to be able to make those expenditures by giving yourself funds to pay for those expenses when they come out. However, there are things that as couples, we need to sit down and talk about before we buy them. I know I hear stories of men who don't like to go out shopping for their clothes. And of course, that's me. I don't like going out shopping for clothing. But on the other hand, if I need to buy shirts and pants, I need to try them on. I'm not one of these guys that everything fits perfectly for me and easy. I need to try it on to be comfortable or a pair of shoes or something. So I go out and get those things. But when it's going to impact the budget, and let's say if it's going to be a significant impact and it's not in our budget, and it might be a $100 item, it might be a $200 item or something. My wife and I talk about it. She'll say to me, honey, I do want to purchase a few more books on some things I'm studying on. There's some things that are my art book. She's an artist and a very talented artist and many times she'll want to spend a couple hundred bucks on supplies or something or more than that we talk about it she doesn't just go out throw it on her credit card and next thing you know at the end of the month I'm saying hey what's this five hundred dollars and things you charged we would talk about it that doesn't mean I have to I tell her or she gets okay from me it simply means that we plan things together I wouldn't go out and buy a five hundred dollar bowling ball or golf clubs or something without sitting down and say, you know, I really want to get some new golf clubs and I need to figure out a way to make it fit into the budget. And we work on that together. Now, some of you I've lost already because you think it's silly to have to discuss those things. But on the other hand, didn't the word of God tell us that when we get married, that we become one? That has to do with decision-making, that we are married, we become one flesh. Now, we become one flesh sexually, but we become one flesh spiritually and emotionally and relationship-wise. And we, we should make decisions jointly and together. And when that happens, your marriage gets stronger and there's trust in each other and there's confidence in each other. So I think when a married couple decides to spend money, they 
should have some guidelines that they put upon themselves. And as a couple, they agree on how they should spend the money that God has provided for them to make. Now, what about single people? You say, well, pastor, that's good for couples, but what about single people? Well, I think when it comes to single people that they should have a good friend, a confidence, someone that they're comfortable with, someone that you like their the way they make decisions. You just seem to be impressed on that they make good decisions on, on cars and on renting a property or apartment or something or buying furniture, and they always seem to have a good plan. Well, then meet with that person, talk to that person, make sure they're a believer and get confident with them and get you have your trust with them because you both have the Holy Spirit living in you and you're both people who are led by the Spirit of God because you pray and seek his guidance and direction so you can get help with a friend and I believe that God will bless that and you'll make a great financial decision. Man, the time's going fast on this. I've only got a few minutes left to wrap this up. But let me let me just make a statement and then talk about it a little bit. There's a statement that I've taught on, believed on, mentioned it before in some of my teaching, but this is an important statement. Where we are financially is the sum total of all the financial decisions we have made to this date. Think about that one. Where you are financially today, if you're in good shape, then it's the sum total of all the financial decisions that you've made. You say, well, what about health issues? And what about getting fired from a job? Or what about, what about? Well, if we have a financial plan and we're set up according to what God's word tells us to plan for the future, that means have savings, have something held back. It also means seeking direction and guidance from others to make good decisions. It means that you You've taken the time to research things and and wait upon the Lord. Wait for peace. Wait and have patience on making decisions. If you've done that, whether you make a lot of money or not, you're going to make better decisions than the person who just flippantly makes decisions off the cuff. There's a book that I read a number of years ago. Really interesting book, but it was something to do about millionaires. Why are some people millionaires and why are some people not millionaires? But the story talked about two doctors. One doctor was kind of a spendthrift. He just kept spending money all the time. The other one was cautious in making financial decisions. They both made about seven or eight hundred thousand dollars a year in their practice. Now, some of you are saying, "Well, wow! If I had seven or eight hundred thousand dollars a year, I'd never have any financial problems." Well, that's not true. You see, as a banker, I used to deal with football players who made millions of dollars, and they seemed to run out of money every year, and they had to borrow money from me in order to pay their bills and make their house payments based upon their contracts that they had. So, just because you have a lot of money doesn't mean it's easy to make financial decisions. Matter of fact sometimes it's worse on those who have a lot of money. Well, getting back to my two doctors, the one do- they both made about the same amount of money. And as they were approaching retirement, it's a true story. As they were approaching retirement, they got to know each other. They ran into each other. And the one guy says, well, I'm not really ready to retire because I don't really have that much saved back. And the other guy said, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm going to retire in a couple years. I'm set up financially. And he says, well, we both do the same type of practice why do you have money left over and and why do I not have? And they were talking about that. Well, the one doctor described that when he wanted something, he just went out and bought it. He always bought a brand new Mercedes every single year, sold the old one, took a beating financially, and just wanted to have that. Well, the other doctor said, well, I buy a three-year-old Mercedes every three years. And he's, see, he was paying a whole lot less money. The other one said, well, when I need something, I just, just, just make a decision to just do it and go get it. After all, I make a lot of money. And the other guy said, well, I, I really don't. I seek advice and direction. I invest some money and rather than spending it all. And, and really the case was this. Here they were approaching retirement some 20 years after practicing medicine, both making this about the same amount of money, 
one doctor had maybe five or $600,000 in the bank, which wouldn't be enough to cover even one year's living expenses. The other one had seven or $8 million in savings and stocks and bonds and investments. You see, good decisions apply to everyone, whether you make a lot of money or don't make a lot of money. I think of my dad when it comes to making good financial decisions. My dad never in his entire life ever made $20,000 in one year. Now, I think this will get down to where the rubber meets the road, where a lot of people can relate to what I'm about to say. Dad didn't make a lot of money. He was a union guy and he had a kind of a fixed salary, didn't make a whole lot. He was an, an hourly guy and he worked hard. The man worked 45 years for the same company. When he retired, his pension was $650 a month and he'd get that for life. Well, it's interesting to think, well, my goodness, how in the world could he get by? Well, I know it was a number of years ago, but he never made $20,000 in one year. Never made that. And yet, in their latter years, mom and dad used to go almost every year to Hawaii and spend a month and enjoy Hawaii. And he would stay at a place and rent a house for a month, and that way he could afford it. And he was able to have his house paid off by the time he was 62 years of age. He had no loans. He had no no, no debt at all. He was able to pay cash for a car when he needed one. You say, well, that's, yeah, the cars were a lot cheaper then. Yeah, they were cheaper, but he sure made a whole lot less money. And he put himself in a position where financially he was comfortable. It was interesting when he retired and he one day we were chatting and he said, you know, son, he said with my, I get my social security check now. I got my retirement from work. He said, I don't have any debts or bills or anything like that. He says, if you ever need a little bit of money, let me know. Well, I, I looked back on that and I thought, dad, that's awesome. That's awesome. Dad was a loving guy, but he understood the value of a dollar and he understood the importance of saving for the future and planning for his retirement. So with that, I hope that this is helpful. I'm not sure. I'm going to pray about it as to whether I should continue this teaching on a, in a different format, talking about financial decisions, because this is a big subject. This is a major topic. You see, when you look at the Word of God, a lot of people don't realize this, but when you look at the Word of God and look at what it has to say about money, about one-sixth of the one-sixth of the entire Bible, about 16% or so of the entire Bible has to do with money, finances, the proper spending, the poor spending, the attitudes about money, about borrowing, and all, and about lending, and about giving money, and not giving money. That's crucial. And when you look at the Word of God, and look at the, the examples where God talks about loving each other, God talks more about, in His Word, about finances than He does even about the significance of love. Now, obviously, love is far more important. But see, God showed his love. He showed it so greatly that he gave his son for us. He gave the greatest thing that he had in his life available was his son. And he sent his son to earth, born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus grew up teaching the word of God, leading people to him. And then he was crucified and buried and then was resurrected. I'll tell you, you want to make good financial decisions, the first thing you need to be is a Christian. So I want to pray for you that you'll give your life to Christ right now. Father, those who are listening in, I know I've changed pretty dramatically here, but I'm running out of time. And Lord, I pray that those who don't know where they're going to spend eternity and they don't, they're not at peace with God, that they would just surrender their life and say, Father, I'm sorry for the sins I've committed. I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I receive you, Jesus. Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I wanted to get that in there because I felt led of the Spirit. There's some people out there that are confused about the topic of peace. And in upcoming podcasts, I'll be dealing with that. But for now, I'm going to sign off because I believe we're completed today's assignment. But I'll pray about the next podcast. I'm not sure. Keep an eye out for it, whether I'll be talking about financial decisions or another area dealing with decisions that we need to make. Father, thank you for this opportunity. I pray you'd bless those who listened in. Help me, Lord, now to have guidance and direction for the next upcoming podcast. And I'll be careful now to give you all the praise and glory for it, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Now, if you'd like to know more about my teachings and about the things I do on Quality Christian Living Podcast, you can go to my webpage at davidcfriendauthor.com. When you pull that up, you're going to find references to a number of books I've written. One's entitled Experience the Joy of Debt-Free Living. Another book is entitled Generosity. What's in it for me? Another book's about faith, talking about how to receive everything from what we see as nothing. And I've written a couple books on Vietnam to help our veterans. So I'm working on a couple new books right now. But right now, my, my number one focus in the area of ministering is to focus on these podcasts and get this word out people so their lives will be blessed and they'll be blessed in making great decisions. I hope that'll help you. Now, if you'd like to sign up or subscribe to my podcast, you can go to cpnshows.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Today, we talked about financial decisions. We've talked about other financial decisions. And if you want to go to my podcast, you can look up and see the topics we've talked about. We've talked for months on the subject of faith. We've talked for months on the subject of prosperity. I'm a big believer in having spiritual prosperity in our life before we go after financial prosperity. Because once we are prospering spiritually, we will see a blessing in our financial prosperity and other areas of our life. I've also talked about topic matters and subjects dealing with making good decisions in the past, but this is a more intense study, one I hope that you'll tune into in the future. Once again, I'd like to have you invite your friends to listen into these podcasts. I hope they'll be a blessing to you. And I know that we all need to know how to make better decisions. And God's Word has numerous examples, hundreds of examples, about people who made poor decisions and people who made great decisions. And we'll be getting into some of those as the Lord leads us and guides us. So I'm going to just sign off today and with these with these words for you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. May you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. You know, when I think about that statement, God wants us to prosper. A lot of times people don't think that he does, and that's sad. But many people don't believe that our God really desires for us to be blessed and that we should prosper in all things. And I think it's going to happen in your life. And I believe as you tune into these podcasts, you're going to receive a blessing beyond what you've ever thought about. Because the Bible tells us that God is able to do things greater than what we can think about. His thoughts and his ways are greater, stronger. He's more intelligent than we are. He has the answers to everything. And isn't it amazing that we can look to his word and get the answers to every decision that we need to make in our life? So I'm excited. I really am. I don't think I've ever been more excited about a series of messages messages than this discussion when it talks about making good decisions. So until next time, may God richly bless you. And I'm looking forward to talking to you in our next podcast. God bless you.